All right, I do believe we are live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. I am your humble host, Lev Polyakov at LevPo on Twitter. And we are here today with Aiden Paladin returning back with us and the great CIA asset, as is written here, uh, Dylan Burns. Dylan Burns, you are heroic the fact that you were able to go into ukraine report on what's going on right now also doing live streams before like the hippy dippy uh, live stream and now you've been talking about the uh, hippies from the left who are all uh, peaceniks about the ukraine situation so we are going to get into a lot of this right now we are going to be talking about whether uh, the united states and the west in general should be arming ukraine and what are going to be the repercussions of either we keep arming Ukraine or we do not arm Ukraine. And uh, yeah, so uh, let's go to Aiden first. Aiden, you are a uh, social science Thoth. I want to say Thoth, you know, the Egyptian god of wisdom. Yeah, I right, think that's right. A I think way. it's actually pronounced Toth, but I've been referred, I've been told that by someone who calls themselves Thoth, so I don't know if he's correct. Um, but yeah, yeah social so, science Thoth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Aiden, uh, please give us uh, your view, being a libertarian, and what's going on. And also for all the new people, be sure to smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. You guys know the drill already. There's no need for me to say anymore. Anyway, go for it, Aiden. Okay, so first I want to say what you have done. I didn't know you were in Ukraine right now, Dylan, but uh, your entire work has is incredibly brave and courageous. And I I do want to thank you for that because there's pretty much nobody is doing or is willing to do what you have done. And I think that's that's extremely important, um, the work that you're doing. But my contentions uh, and issues concerning the West funding and arming Ukraine don't come out of some kind of dedication to Russia and allegiance to Putin or anything like that in any way, but instead because I fundamentally oppose the United States' involvement in any foreign conflicts, financially or otherwise. This is a particular issue as it involves Ukraine, given the deep ties of the Biden family with the nation, regardless of the truth behind the claims that Biden himself personally ordered the firing of prosecutor Victor Shokin for his investigation into Ukrainian energy firm Burisma, to which his son Hunter and Hunter's friend Archer were elected to the board, all of which Joe bragged about publicly, nor the infamous phone call between Deputy Secretary of State uh, in the Obama administration, Victoria Nuland, with Jeffrey Piat concerning their preference for the election of Arseny Yatsenyuk to the position of Ukrainian PM, nor the reports of Dr. Olga um, Bogomolets, excuse me, I always pronounce her last name wrong, Bogomolets, who claimed that the bullets used by the snipers to kill protesters in the Euromaidan had the same handwriting, that's her terminology, um, as NATO munitions concerning only the current state of the United States' involvement in Ukraine. It has cost the U.S. taxpayers $75 billion as to date. <clears throat> for a conflict in which the United States is ostensibly not involved. The history between Ukraine and Russia is ancient, and the very idea of Ukraine as a nation is in and of itself in its infancy. The country known as Ukraine today contains regions which have high diasporas of ethnic Russians, such as Crimea and Donbass, but also regions such as Bessarabia, Northern Brokhovnia, Herza, Krasia, Carpathia, and Ruthenia, which have all historically been parts of Moldova, Romania, Poland, and Czechoslovakia. And its borders were defined under the Soviet regime, under. Um, under the auspices of the Ukrainian SFSR, the historical capital of Russia under the Kievan Rus, as the name implies, was Kiev. Or Kiev. I, I never know how, what the correct pronunciation is on that, so you would know better to correct me on my pronunciation. While Ukrainians have a unique language and culture from Russians, they share history between the two nations, and that shared history is undeniable and truly ancient, and their current conflict, while lamentable in the softest of terms, is regardless not the concern of a third-party nation such as the United States. It is not the role of a foreign power 
power to weigh in financially or otherwise on the conflicts of other sovereign states, no matter how disgusting or horrifying the realities of war may offend us. If we, as a financially and militaristically powerful nation, if not the most powerful nation on earth, are to elect ourselves to serve as some kind of world police, then under what auspices can we judge Russia for doing similarly so? Not a single nation should dictate the borders, actions, or even conflicts of other nations. And thus, while my heart bleeds for the innocent people whose lives have been destroyed, ended, or irreparably disturbed and disrupted by this war, I cannot just I cannot justify ethically the use of American taxpayer funds to support either side. It is simply not our business, and the fact that it is being treated as such is a vestigial but quickly withering manifestation of American imperialism. All right, Dylan, uh, go for Sorry, it. Sorry, it's my opening statement. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a very debatey uh, thing, which I think is good. I think it's a change because usually people just like go whole hog sometimes. So, uh, Dylan. I only wrote uh, the opening. Your, I have nothing else. So that's it. Your, uh, your professional response. Uh, go for it. Uh, sure. So I didn't really write an opening. I didn't know there was going to be uh, like a written opening. I, did, I didn't but know I can, either, but yeah. I, I can um I can just go through what I like to do usually when I talk about the conflict is just start with the modern history of the conflict. Because I think that a lot of people don't know much about Euromaidan. A lot of people just started kind of yep. following the conflict in 2022. But in 2013, late 2013, early 2014, a protest movement started on the street in response to Viktor Yanukovych, who was the democratically elected uh, president of the Ukrainian government. And at the time, the protest movement started because in the middle of the night, he decided he was going to pull out of the association agreement. The association agreement was an agreement that was being negotiated between the Ukrainian government and the EU. That would have negotiated visa-free travel, would have negotiated easier trade between Ukraine and the European Union, which would have opened Ukraine up to a lot more markets. That would have been beneficial for most Ukrainians. According to the polling data at the time, most Ukrainians favored these closer ties to the European Union. In fact, Yanukovych promised on the campaign trail that he would enter the association agreement because that it was popular at the time. But due to pressure from the Russian government and them trying to use economic coercion, which included the stopping of trade across the border, uh, this made Yanukovych reverse course because of Russia's deep ties with Ukraine and because of his deep ties with Russia uh, personally and politically. Uh, this created a response from people who thought that he had back, you know, he had backstabbed the people making, making this promise. And that response was brutally cracked down upon. Yanukovych hired armed gangs called uh, the Tutushki, which would be the equivalent of hiring the Bloods and the Crips to go and try to disperse protests and provoke protesters, sent in the special services, the Burkut, which is a whole long history of racketeering, corruption and police abuse. They tied uh, nails and bolts to around flashbangs and threw them into the crowd. They went and brutalized protesters with metal poles instead of normal police batons. And eventually this would uh, culminate in the massacre of the Heavenly Hundred. Now, I heard some talk about these sniper attacks, and I know that there have been some um, independent reporters who have said something different to what all the uh, investigations found, which was that the bullet shells were actually in line with police weapons and that the bullets did match that. And I know there is some dissenters, but the overwhelming evidence seems to point towards the brutalizing and murdering protesters on the ground. I don't really respect the people who have come with a with an alternate idea because none of them have yet to put those alternate ideas under uh, review, under review, not only from investigators who were there at the time, but also just review of other academics. And it's just their own report. That it, they it's just Olga Boga who said review. that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And so I do want to just clarify that because, you know, that's something that I know a lot of Ukrainians mm -hmm. are uh, really angry about the Heavenly Hundred being murdered. After the Heavenly Hundred were murdered, the protests spiraled out even more. The protesters got violent in response. A lot of civil defense groups formed on the ground. A lot of the groups that would become kind of known afterwards, like right sector and Azov started 
to form or these coalitions started to form at the time, but it wasn't just them. There were anarchist coalitions as well. There were worker coalitions as well, or unions and other groups that formed to fight back against the government. And after this started to break down, uh, Yanukovych decided he would try to pass a law to ban protesting instead of trying to reverse course after some offers to the protesters. And that seemed to be one of the final straws that made the protest spiral so out of control that eventually he fled the country. Then at that point, the Russians took the opportunity to try to secure the security interests in Crimea, invaded in order to try to protect their port. Now, I do want to emphasize that when they took over Crimea, this port, we didn't know for sure if the lease on it was going to be extended for the Russians or not going to be extended for the Russians. It was all still in the air. But they to be took clear, the just, uh, just what you're talking about, to, to I don't want to interrupt you, but just to, mm -hmm. to be clear about at the time, the Russians were leasing the port. Yes, they so were they, leasing the port. Okay. They were leasing Sevastopol. And they were, well, this is what they said. There was a concern that possibly that lease could be ended. Now, mm -hmm. the government did not say they were going to end the lease and the negotiations were still ongoing about the renewal of the lease, but they took the opportunity to invade by international law, which was illegally, illegally under international law and take over Crimea. Now, there's a conversation about ethnic ties that we can get into later, but that's the basic start to the original parts of the conflict. Right. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of talks about, for example, the Victor Newland phone call, which I've listened to time and time again. And I don't really think that there's anything in that phone call that makes me think that there was American meddling that chose the next leadership. When they were talking about Petro Poroshenko, he was one of very few options of who was going to be the next leader. It would be the equivalent of Emmanuel Macron looking at the current American electorate, current American election saying Trump and Biden. Yeah, Trump would be the uh, Biden would be the guy that we like. That doesn't mean the French came in and chose Biden. That doesn't mean that the French came in and manipulated the elections and results. It's that the French know that if they had Biden, they would probably have a stronger Euro-Atlantic uh, trade relationship, a stronger Euro-Atlantic, you know, and so that's the people that they preferred. There's been no evidence that Victoria Nuland meddled in the elections or changed it. In fact, something I want to say about that phone call is in that phone call, Victoria Nuland says the protesters should take the deal offered mm -hmm. by the Yanukovych regime. But then the protesters don't do what Victoria Nuland wants and do the exact opposite and don't accept the deal. So if anything, I think that shows that the American government did not have a hold on the situation. They did not control what the protesters were doing and the protesters were acting independently of American interests. Um, that's the, the bare bones of the conflict. The Russians would then move in to flood weapons into eastern Ukraine, which has been admitted to by not only multiple Russian mm -hmm. government officials and soldiers afterwards, even though at the time they denied it, but they would even put soldiers in there, which would then later get captured the whole time they were denying they were doing it. And this would eventually uh, freeze over after Minsk 1 and 2, and it would be a generally frozen conflict for about eight years, uh, frozen as frozen as you know, 20 to 50 people dying every year from artillery shelling can be, but frozen frozen relative to the hot war we see today until we came to 2022 when the Russians started the training operations, the training exercises before eventually they invaded the country with a goal of marching on the capital, disarming the government, most likely replacing the, the regime, quote unquote, the government in Kiev, they call it the regime, and uh, instituting their either control of Donetsk and Luhansk and the complete change of the government and the state of affairs in Ukraine by force. That is, I would say, the modern history breakdown. The only reason I'm starting with that is because a lot of people only know 2022 invasion and that's it. And so I want no, to say that I, out at the start. I think your your uh, recollection, your your description of that is completely accurate and I agree with it. So we're on the same page. Cool. <laughs> so uh, awesome. before, I, before we I wanted uh, to make sure that we yeah. started there. Now, mm -hmm. you had some concerns. Do you want to start with uh, addressing any of those concerns? Um, any concerns mm -hmm. specifically? Well, like because Victoria Newland, for about, example. Um, 
Like, I want to make sure that what Dylan, what you said about Victoria Newland, Aiden, is this something that you would agree with? Do you have any counters to what Dylan uh, said as far as how influential America was? I, I, I agree with your general dealing with your with what you said there about like well it's just to talk about oh, who would we prefer the reason why i think it's not that quite that simple is because we're not talking about just anybody having this conversation right we're talking about victoria newland who is deputy secretary of state and in terms of who did end up getting elected was arsene yatsenyuk it, which was what they said they wanted they said we want yachts we don't want oletia honeybook who did have this connection to the right sector and to azov um they didn't want him and I think the reason why they, they kind of elaborated that they didn't want him is they didn't think they could control him. But he is like the Nazi guy, right? Um, but Arsene Yatsenyuk is who they wanted, and that's who was elected. So regardless of the actual truth, because it's impossible for us to actually know this, to, to really parse it, it looks very suspicious. When the Deputy Secretary of State is making a phone call saying, this is who we want to be in power, when we are at, during a period of time where the previous regime is being ousted, uh, in terms of uh, Poroshenko, it looks suspicious. And I think there's no denying that. Whether or not it's true, I don't know. But I think it's undeniable. It looks suspicious. So I, I just would want to ask then, because I would assume that mm -hmm. any time there's an election in the United States, there is a conversation in every country in the world, because America's the most powerful country in the world, and what happens here affects the whole world, whether it be with oil prices, the world reserve currency, anything. It could be, I mean, if the American president goes in and said, I'm just going to print every dollar endlessly, like that could crash the world economy, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously every country would have some conversation was like, if this guy gets elected, we need to have a plan to engage with him. If this guy gets elected, we need to have a plan to engage with him. And I assume that conversation's happening in France, Germany, and all over the world in relation to the Biden and, and Trump election. So if we found out that there was a conversation in, say, Germany between Olaf Schultz and one of his ministers, like, yeah, Biden would be the guy we would want, and then Biden would go on to win. Uh, would that mean, and you would be, we would now be able to say that, hey, that's pretty suspicious. I think the Germans might have, you know, maybe gotten there and done something. I think the problem is that it's not the only isolated piece of evidence, right? And we know this fully well. We know for a fact that Joe Biden, uh, son of a bitch, the prosecutor got fired. He had he had Victor Shokin fired for investigating Burisma. He was vice president we at the time. We don't know that. He's, that's what he said. He did not say that we, he got Victor Shokin fired for investigating Burisma. He has said on multiple occasions, whether it be at the Council for Relations, immediately afterwards when he did it, or uh, at many of the other speaking events, that he got him shot, fired because he was extremely corrupt, which he was. We went uh, it, was only, it wasn't only Biden that wanted him fired. It was the EU. It was uh, multiple other European powers like Germany, France. It was most Ukrainians that wanted him fired. It was... It was everybody but Shokin who wanted Shokin gone, basically. Yeah, obviously, but <laughs> he didn't want to fire himself. However, again, doesn't that look a little suspect? When his son, and one of the things that, that Shokin was allegedly investigating was his son and Hunter uh, Hunter and um, Archer, uh, Devin Archer, their involvement on the board of Burisma, which is this Ukrainian energy company, neither of which, either one of them, were in any way qualified to serve on and yet they were serving on it and being paid hundreds of well it was like a hundred thousand dollars a year a year i believe and one of the things from the internally leaked emails was that he was there to sell his father's influence from the internally leaked emails now if you don't believe the um well, i know I, I can believe a hundred percent from my time in ukraine that there were mm -hmm. ukrainian oligarchs who thought if we hired the son of some president or some higher profile official 
-hmm. We could use that to benefit ourselves. I sure. believe that 100%. I also believe that Hunter Biden is a crack addicted mess. Um, and he was at least at the time. Now he's gotten his act. Together. I hope he's gotten his act. Together. Well, they found that little piece of uh, cocaine in the White House uh, not too long. True, ago. True, not too long ago. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, you know, <laughs> I was having a nice time. You know, it was it was CIA fun <laughs> night. I'm sorry, whatever. But um, if if we're if we're buying this, we have to immediately accept that this was Joe Biden, the in the Obama administration, allowing mm -hmm. him to go out of his way for his personal corruption which just so happened to also align with what most of Europe wanted, what most Ukrainians wanted, with what the American government wanted, with what the Obama administration wanted, with what most anti-corruption activists wanted, what most of Ukrainian civil society wanted. This wasn't just like one, if it was Joe Biden going out of his way to do something that most of Europe didn't want, it was just like, wait, why is the president coming out of nowhere to get the prosecutor of Ukraine fired? At the time they were reporting it, and this, is, this was true, that oh, it's good that he's fired because he was unbelievably corrupt. Yeah, That's he, how he was. Media covered it. That's how most anti-corruption activists covered mm -hmm. it. And so, if we're going to accept this, we have to just accept this based purely upon suspicion, and based purely upon the idea that Hunter Biden was able to hook Joe Biden into this corruption scheme, which we have yet to find any strong evidence of. Uh, we got the big guy in the email, whatever uh, yeah, that Yeah, I'm, I'm that saying it's a little... Gotten, it's and that's a, not decisive enough no. for me to say that the Obama administration let him go out of out of the Obama administration's policy way in the realm of foreign policy for a few hundred thousand dollars for mm. his son. I think it's a lot easier for me to believe that Hunter Biden, a crack-addicted mess, wanted more crack, and so he took up any job he could, and these corrupt politicians here, well, not corrupt politicians, but oligarchs, saw this guy was the son of the vice president was like let's give him money hunter biden thought crack 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 yeah. crack no, crack and they started interacting with yeah. them they realized this isn't going to go anywhere and eventually he's no longer on the board of burisma same thing with the chinese businessmen they were giving him diamonds they were giving him gifts and then he was banging these like like uh teachers on the desk of his office working with these chinese businessmen yeah, he's, he's a mess so what happens he, it we falls apart that. He delivers on nothing that he promised to them because he can't deliver on anything. He just wanted money for drugs. And he, was uh, a he, he did facilitate several meetings um, with at least one that I'm 100% sure about from the Latinos. Do we I know? Don't, uh, no, we don't That's, know how they went. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Well, we, we I just want to quickly say, go ahead, go ahead. because when we say facilitate meetings, do we mean they sit down and like, let's talk all the shady business or Who have knows? a nice day? Which, Who knows? We know for a fact yeah. that he facilitated at least one meeting hmm. With the, the head of Burisma, though. And and here's the thing. Like, yeah, we're not going to know the intricate details of this because we can't know them, as with so many of these things that I was talking about earlier. However, well, they, they are think, launching I an inquiry think into this, we can aren't they? Say, you think that's going to go anywhere? Under the Biden administration? You think Under, President Joe I Biden's going to allow our himself Republican to be investigated? House, they launched the inquiry. That's true. That's true. They, I think is, they're appointing like impeached. special prosecutors for Hunter Biden. He is being impeached. That's true. We'll see if it goes anywhere. Yeah. I don't think it will. But that's just my nihilism. Well, uh, uh, let's however, uh, yes. Uh, just, to, just to finish yes. my, my thought here, mm -hmm. we don't know the realities of any of this. We don't know the specifics of any of this. However, I think that as external observers, we can note that that looks suspicious and is certainly a conflict of interest for the vice president's son to be serving on this Ukrainian uh, energy company for which he has no qualifications. 
Well, let's uh, take a step back for a moment and look at the bigger picture. To me, this Hunter Biden thing right now is a ant in comparison to the elephant mm. that is Russia going into one territory with the potential to go into another one. And this is something that's been going on for a very long time. It happened in New Transnistria in Moldova. It happened with Southern Ossetia in Georgia. So the pattern that Did I'm observing yeah, is that... Earlier, no, I think, you're, I think you're good. I think you're good. So the pattern that I'm noticing is that Russia keeps going going wherever it is not stopped. And if you don't stop Russia, then Russia is just going to keep going. And mm. even though there's a lot of, you know, horrible, horrible things that Russia has been doing to the Ukrainian people right now, as Dylan yourself, you've observed, the problem, I think, with a lot of the appeals to emotion that politicians who are pro-Ukraine bring up, for instance, is that a lot of the Americans will counter saying, well, that's horrible. There's a lot of horrible things happening in the world. But at the same time, we are not in a good state here in America with migration, with crime rates, with the economy. And they're going to say, you know what, why don't we go back to what I think Aiden's position here is, go back to the founding fathers who wanted Europe to uh, F off and just have us do our own thing. But then to me, the question is always, well, what are going to be the consequences of doing that? So, Dylan, I'm curious if you would want to look into that a bit and let me know what you think. I, I do want to reject the one premise. The idea that the founding fathers was like, America's just going to kind of do its own thing. Even George Washington, when he was laying out the foundation of what is now the, usually the basis of a lot of American isolationism, um, he was saying at the time that we need to hold this inward looking position where we're not getting involved in the French Revolution. We're not getting involved in these other affairs until we get our own affairs in order because we have farmer rebellions. We have all these other issues that are tearing the nation at its strengths to the point where it could quite literally cease to exist. We're not talking about like debating trans bathrooms here. We're talking about farmers with guns taking government storehouses, not, you know, a guy, a few guys on a bunch of beer lights charging the Capitol think they're doing a revolution, right? We're talking a, a lot more mass violent action gets a lot more people killed. Um, but immediately afterwards, we were doing interventions in the upper echelon, uh, the upper parts of Africa against the Barbary yes. pirates in order to secure international It's all wrong, trade. in my opinion. In my opinion, it was always wrong. I, that, but okay. that's my position. But go ahead, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just rejecting the premise that the founding yes. fathers were these bastions of like anti-interventionism or libertarian policies on foreign policy because some were but the majority were not I, I don't think i said that though no you didn't, you didn't say that i'd say that the okay. i was yeah. responding okay. to yes the, to the host. Yeah, that's the that's the idea that I find a lot of libertarians have in general, where they think about the founding founding fathers, and that's their opinion on America yeah. just being this completely isolationist place. And look, afterwards, when we look at World War II, you know, right before uh, America entered into the war, there was such a concentration of people who were completely against it, who were you know peaceniks of their day, and a lot of them also had Russian agents Al Al that Alexander were. Alexander Hamilton was also a monarchist, so it's like uh, uh, totally sure. basing everything that you think on the the. Yeah. Beliefs or statements of the founders, I think, is a little yeah. bit erroneous. No, no but, but, but not but more, that helpful. But more to the idea that this uh, mm -hmm. emphasis on isolationism is something that repeats itself in the history of the United States. Sure. And what I find that's happening today, I know what you think, Dylan, as well, but what I find happens today is that there is influence from abroad on having a lot of these peacenik ideas, especially like you were talking about the left code pink recently. They were going into Bernie Sanders's office and uh, talking about how he's uh, rejecting peace and all that and how we shouldn't uh, help Ukraine. And this is something that I find has occurred uh, pretty often when it comes to making sure that America does not aid 
in a war effort by the uh, you know by the enemy here. In that case, it was back when Russia and Germany were united in a uh, temporary friendship. So we had a lot of these KGB well and NKVD agents coming into the United States to influence. Uh, same thing with German agents. So today, I'm not sure what the lay of the land is there as far as who's influencing what. But my more important <clears throat> point here is. What argument besides anything having to do with morality can we give to the peaceniks, to people who do not want uh, there to be conflict, uh, where it is going to be in the United States' best interest to intervene in this, um, in this uh, war that's going on, where if they didn't intervene, A, B, C is going to happen not even to Ukraine, not even to Europe, but to the United States. Because again, I think people are very selfish and they're going to think about America first. We want to make sure that everything's going to be good with America. So uh, Dylan, uh, let me know what you think. And then Aiden, I would love for you to respond. Sure. Um, a few things. When it, when it comes to foreign influence, I think that a lot of these people would believe this, whether or not the Russians want them to believe it or not. There has always been a certain amount of Americans in any foreign conflict who just think that we need to keep care of, we need to take care of our own. This isn't our problem or some variation of that. Now, it is true that the Russians have tried to increase that amount, whether you can look at books taught in the Russian Naval Academy and the Russian Military Academy, and they'll say, like, the foundation of geop geopolitics, which is taught to the officer corps, um, it says in there that we need to create as much discontent in the United States as physically possible in order to try to cause tension between the races, cause tension between different mm -hmm. radical groups in order to try to tear at the fabrics of society because they understand that Russia is not is it be current able to land. is it current Russian uh politic though or is that oh, Soviet? Yeah. that that is taught that is they're taught still the doing that. they're still the Soviet oh, they're still wow. the KGB no, well, that's because a modern that was that was introduced after the yeah. Soviet Union collapse mm. oh my so that is okay. like an old because I, I thought that was, that was no Soviet but they were doing stuff. it but just to be clear they were doing it back in the 70s too for example that famous yeah. black activist who is still a university professor Dylan please help me out here what's her name Name, the uh, radical uh, black uh, a lot of radical, communist uh, he's a radical radical professor. <laughs> she's still a professor today anyway so. I'm gonna look up her name but anyway she was a frequent guest of honor in the USSR you know back in my parents day there she frequently went there she went to communist Poland she went all over the place in the USSR and the motive behind this whole thing was to get a lot of people in black America to be very angry about the United States. And like you were saying, Dylan, to uh, inflame this racial conflict that was already going on during that time. So that's why I think I don't today, know if you yeah. guys saw, but remember that Black Hammer movement, like the uh, the guy who's yes, the, yes, the black, you remember the, that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all uh, got busted for commune. ties yeah. to the Russian government. Mm. Right. It was very strange. Uh, it was a very strange interaction. I, well, I don't think what? that's totally well, new. Just, just I don't think just that's post-Soviet. I think that's. I don't think well, that's post-Soviet. Yeah. But I just wanted. I just wanted to quickly to, to wrap that point up. Mm. Sure. The main Sorry. thing that disturbs me, though, is how quickly people took up Russian narratives once the war, like once mm -hmm. the shock of the war set off. Because at the beginning, a lot of people were embarrassed because they were saying it's impossible. War was going to happen. There's no way an invasion was oh. going to happen. And in that first month, all yeah. those people just kind of shut down and they were quiet and they didn't really know what to do because everything they had built their arguments upon had just fallen apart yeah there but was someone who, who said that like just like the week before some public figure who said that russia's never going to invade ukraine than they did yeah yeah there was a lot of them. Uh, it was I know uh, Jackson yeah. Hinkle, Caleb Maupin, Hassanabi, famous Switch streamer. A oh, that's the one. That's the one I. That's okay. the one I was thinking of. That Hassan said yeah. that. A bunch yeah. of people did that, and I think at first they were too embarrassed. But as time went on, 
And as the war went on, they started to come back out of the cracks and start pushing these narratives. I think the scariest thing is when I see Congress people pushing in. Recently, Marjorie Taylor Greene was doing an interview for some, I think it was either News Nation or OAN, and she was talking about how the Ukrainian state is kidnapping children, harvesting their organs to try to pay for the Ukrainian war effort. Um, and that is straight from, I mean, that sounds like something straight out of the Elders of Zion, to be quite blunt. Yeah, that like that's out of yeah. RT's <laughs> mouth. That is something that their state Duma uh, representatives are just saying mm. with no evidence, and she's regurgitating. Uh, I see commentators like Jimmy Dore recently yeah. publishing pieces talking about mass surrendering of Ukrainian troops. I'll click one or two links. What do I find out? Published by Russia Today. That's the only yeah, proof well, of yeah. this ever existing. And don't don't forget Scott Ritter. That's I, 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 got rid yeah. of the pedophile, but like that—that's yeah. that's the stuff that bothers me the most. Is because I want more than anything an honest conversation where we're yeah. working off of the I same agree. basis of truth. And there's so many different state interests trying to get involved in the conversation to pull people left and right. And so I would one of the big mm -hmm. pieces of advice I would offer people is number one, don't take any government, whether it's the Ukrainian government or the Russian government, at their word when they publish reports. Absolutely. Look at independent reports on the ground. Check different NGOs that are going to be checking stuff and, and doing their own reviews with their own agents on the ground. That's not to say if they ever publish anything completely discredited. If they have enough evidence, then they have enough evidence. The Ukrainian government, for example, a lot of people just disregarded the Ukrainian government's reports about Bucha when it first happened. But when the evidence was fully piled up and we had video proof of Russian soldiers shooting people in the back of the head and the mass graves being filled, then, then we could take their accounts as credible because they had enough evidence to back it up. And if something like that ever happened on the Russian side, then we could believe that as well. It's just hard to imagine because Ukraine isn't occupying any parts of Russia. So it's kind of hard for them right. to do those sorts of massacres. But, I agree um, with you, actually, totally, is don't take any government's word on anything about what they're doing at their word or just at face mm. value. Don't do that because, Ooh. of course, governments are going to try and, and flip things. But I would say mm. my only condition on this is that I would say. I don't know if it's still the case, but for a long time, you could not access Russia Today and other Russian state-owned media websites from the West when the conflict began. And it was also coming out of, remember that, of course, the 2020 election uh, and, and the 2016 election in the United States, 2016 election in particular, was blamed on on Russian hacking. And Hillary Clinton has never rescinded her statements on that, and she's been adamant about maintaining them. And again, right, I don't know if it's still the case anymore, but I remember when I was doing my video on Ukraine, on the on the history of the conflict, I had to go use a VPN to be able to access Russia today because it wasn't uh, accessible even here in um, Guernsey, which is part of the United Kingdom. Really, that's odd to me. I, I think that even if it's state-owned media, which, I mean, mm -hmm. there's tons of state-owned media, the BBC is state-owned media. It's bizarre to me when you can't well, even I, read I it. Well, I do. I want to put a pin there because there is a big <laughs> sure. difference when it comes to editorial control versus versus the BBC and mm -hmm. RT, which RT will publish reports about Americans eating the big next Putin burger, real thing <laughs> that is blowing up across the really? nation. That was the real report that they published. Not and shocked. the BBC. There, there is a there. I think there's a stark difference. Mm. But but I think the point stands right that I can't if I can't access it, if no one can access it from the West. That's also, again, it's not direct proof of anything, just like with the Victoria Newland call, not direct proof of anything, but it's weird. And I, I think it's bizarre I don't think to it's restrict. Weird. 
I, I don't like it, but I don't think it's weird. I do want to say, like, I am generally, un, I'm very, very radical personally in my free speech beliefs. I don't believe the government should be regulating, quote unquote, hate okay. speech. I don't believe the government should be doing yeah. any of those things. But I also understand why the government's doing it. I don't think it's weird. I think it's because they don't want Russian propaganda to spread. And the easiest way to do it for any government is the, is the simple approach, which is just ban it. If you don't want something to spread, then you ban the speech. So now, I'm not saying that's Ukrainian good, but I mean, okay. it's not weird. We understand why they're doing it. Like when the Ukrainian government bans RT, it's, under, it's easy to understand why they don't want Russian propaganda that is being used to try to mm -hmm. cause discontent in the country or to undermine it, national security to be spread. I don't like it, a, a significant but I, I understand portion of, why they're doing it. It's not weird. It's not like suspicious. We understand I why they're doing it. I think it's suspicious. A significant portion of the Ukrainian population is our ethnic Russians who speak Russian, and they banned all Russian channels when Zelensky came into power. Well, they didn't ban all, all yeah, Russian they channels. They, and, am I wrong about that? That's what the reports well, yeah, say, I, so I, maybe I, I'm well, wrong. What do you mean by Russian? Like, they, they, you can still Language speak channels. Russian. That's still allowed. Yeah. You can still like have Russian-speaking shows. But if it's a Russian show, as in Russian state media, Russian state publications, no, you cannot allow that. That That is not what is allowed. But you can still speak. Like, I know a lot of people who host Russian-speaking shows. Okay, so my, my information on that probably might yeah. be wrong then. But that's well, what the reports like, well, here's a, a, well, I'm not there. there. You're there. You're the one who here's, a, here's another example with the church. So Tucker Carlson was talking about, you know, these uh, falsehoods of his having to do with, oh, Zelensky is persecuting all those poor Christian priests. Meanwhile, you have the Ukrainian branch of the Orthodox Church, which is fully active, no problem with people going to worship. But the church that was specifically persecuted had members who are still to this day members of the, well, now it's the FSB. Back then it was the KGB. So, for example, Father Kirill, who is the, or Cyril, who is the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, he was a KGB dude. He was spying on churchgoers for the KGB. And this is the kind of stuff that Ukraine ends up hammering down on. That was an evil thing to spy on your fellow church members for any Crazy. government organization. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, her name, uh, the lady's name, Angela Davis. That's who I was thinking of, Angela oh, Davis. Uh -huh. She yeah. was uh, the guest of honor in the USSR. But anyway, back to the uh, important point here where, yes, we could talk about like these certain instances of censorship here and there, and I'm not a fan of censorship either way. But again, right now, this is a molehill. I want to look at the mountain. And the mountain, to me, has to do with what would be the, uh, the tragic results of the United States not supporting Ukraine. Aiden, you don't think that there would be tragic results, or if there would be, oh. then it's okay. But, like, if your position is the United States should uh, not support, uh, you know, through weaponry, Ukraine, nor should the West, then where exactly are we going to be in a couple of years from now if, let's say, um, Russia is going to be rearming once they acquire a certain amount of territory? And, hey, then China's going to look at it and say, hey, now we're a little bit more confident in supporting Russia even more so that's that's my concern um, but let me know like where, where do you see this going? yeah if I, if, I, if I can respond to that real quickly um first of all I, I don't think we should be involved in this conflict because I don't think it, it it does involve us this like I said in my opening statement this is a really ancient conflict that is more complex than and and Dylan described a lot of the stuff that had happened since like, since the year of my dawn but it goes back centuries actually this entire the idea of Ukraine is 30 years old I'm as old, what? I am the same age as Ukraine. The idea of the modern state of Ukraine is 30 years old. It's after the end of the of the Soviet Union. That's true. Like I said in my opening statement, the current nation of Ukraine includes regions that some people think are part of Romania, some people think are part of Moldova, some people think are part of Czechoslovakia, and some Russians think are part of Russia. 
The idea of the state of Ukraine is a modern concept. I'm surprised that you don't you don't recognize that actually, Dylan. Well, you said you said that the the idea this the idea of the state of Ukraine is 30 years old, but this isn't even the first the Ukrainian modern state. state. There has been the modern the, there state. Was the there was Ukrainian yes. People's Republic. Uh, a Voltaire yes. wrote about the desire of the Ukrainian people I'm to have their own state, aware. to have their own people. I their culture and language and all these I said things that. and their struggle for an independent state goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. As in the modern incarnation of the Ukrainian state, um, this specific government goes back 30 years. But if we were to say that, then we would say, okay, but this only this Russian government, this Russian government we see today, that only goes back 30 years. So like yes, do they the, really the, have a claim? To Moscow, do they really have a claim sure. to all this other territory? Sure. Like, and if I, we would I apply, agree. if we would have to apply that standard equally to everyone. I, I agree, and and of course, there's people who think that you know, um, uh, America being colonized by by white British people largely is also a a horrible crime, and it should go back to to the native peoples. But however, I would say, like I just said. The modern state of Ukraine includes regions that many people in other nations believe are their are their clay, right? In terms of Moldova, Romania, um, Czechoslovakia, and Russia, oh, and Poland as well. Wait, Poland, I mean, Poland you know, yes. We could just say though that those countries you just named, none of them are making claims to that Ukrainian territory, and all of them. Respect they have been though. The only name I think the Romania might be the only one that slightly flirted. Not Romania. Uh, Hungary is the only one I know that slightly flirted with that, at least in recent years. Mm. I don't think the Romanians um, have said we're going to take this land or that land belongs to us. The government well, doesn't. No, make but but, but if you but if you ask Romanians, they will say that that part of certain uh, think, nationalist Romanians, but sure. not it's not a hot button issue in Romania. Yeah. Like they don't really care. Yeah. But my my point is just that because Ukraine is a country, what it is today was the, the borders were created by the Soviet Union under the Ukrainian SFSR. Yes? Uh, yes. They did not exist 100 years ago, those borders. That, that is was, true for, that, I think, was, the majority of European states. Yes. So, but my point is that what is Ukraine is contested and has been what is Ukraine today is contested by some people and that includes the Russians who think that it by the way that uh, you know that Crimea and um the Donbass are or is there is their land well I'm not I saying they're correct but they it's think not that. Really contested by I think it is contested by some people but it's a very small minority of the overall population of the of earth Russians that contest no the overall if you were if you go by UN votes on what governments and their and their representative democracies or their dictatorships or whatever system they are, and you sit them at the UN, the vote comes back consistently that the vast majority of states recognize Ukraine's 1991 borders mm -hmm. as the secession state after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And the only governments that don't seem to be in this order, Russia, uh, Syria, as in Assad, Syria, North Korea, Eritrea, which is known as the North Korea of Africa, yes. and I think Belarus. And I might be missing one. I think it might be Venezuela, uh, yeah. the paradise of Venezuela. And those are the only countries that I know of that don't recognize Ukraine's internationally recognized borders. I don't even think the Hungarian government votes against that. Uh, so I'm, not, I'm not saying that countries don't largely recognize them. I'm saying that... Well, for I'm just example, saying that the position you're putting forward is a radical minority position, mostly held by nationalists. Uh, maybe uh, I I don't know I I haven't I don't have a study in front of me that that has the exact population of, of Russians or Ukrainians who or Romanians or Polish or Moldavians Moldovians who agree with that. Is, it, is However, it an issue in Romania at all? Uh, 
I, for some Romanians, from what I've heard from my one Romanian friend, yes, but I don't know if that's a sample size of one. So I don't really yeah. know. Andrew and, Tate. Um, not Andrew Tate. V. Don't worry about it. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> not Andrew Tate. He's not Romanian. He's just uh, hopefully uh, in jail there. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think that the, the issue that I'm bringing up here, though, about the mm -hmm. border stuff is that there's clearly an issue for some people. Maybe that's a misnomer, though. Maybe that that's... Do you think this is a distraction that's being levied by the Russian government or the Russian people? Oh, I, think, I think the Russian government and, and certain Russians, um, I might even say the majority of Russians, believe that they, have, they lay claim to certain large sections of Ukraine. And the mm -hmm. Russian government has been explicit that if Ukraine does not follow what is Russia's policy, if it cannot act as an extension of the brotherly nations of Russia and Ukraine, that means basically be with them lockstep and key, yes. then they have a right to go in and abolish the quote-unquote gift they gave them of statehood, which, again, the Russians didn't give them the gift of statehood. There was statehood before. The Bolsheviks came in and crushed that statehood. And so you can't take something away from a people and then give it back to them and then act like a hero, right? You're you're right. You're right, though, because you know uh, Russia subsumes uh, Ukraine uh, on, under the Soviet Union, mm -hmm. and then yes, has has acted as if they were magnanimous in 1990 or 1991 by giving them their statehood back. Um, that's absolutely true. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not. Uh, that is the Russian position um, that they they magnanimously gave gave Ukraine its statehood back. Isn't My only contention there. Silly though. It is silly. Of course, it's silly. Yeah. But my, but, but part of my contention here, though, is that the, the historical parts of what is Ukraine now are contested by other countries. Maybe it's just maybe it's just far right nationalists or just weirdos or whatever. But they are contested. That is undeniable. I think there are people in those countries. I know at least one who thinks that uh, it is Transnistria, right? It's part of Romania. Oh yeah, I mean, what? Wait. Transnistria. No, new Transnistria is in Moldova, is not part of Ukraine, and that was taken by Russia. What, what was I thinking Trans about? It was so Transnistria. Can, can, um, Transnistria is a breakaway state from Moldova that yes, the Russians yes. prop it's up Moldova. to Moldova. Peacekeep, That's it. Quote, quote, peacekeepers yeah. that are illegally mm -hmm. deployed in Moldovan territory. Thank you. And Romanians <laughs> believe Moldova Mold and yeah. Transnistria is part of their country. There we go. It, it's okay. not part of Ukraine. So that this is my point: is that there's some contentions here. I do think Ukraine is a sovereign nation. Yeah, but nation. That's, that's a separate conflict entirely, though. That's a whole different thing. Uh, my, my point, though, is that what even is Ukraine right now is based on what was the Ukraine SFSR, right? Mm -hmm. Which was a collaboration and, and big chunk of a bunch of other regions that the Russians originally had conquered as part of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. That not everyone agrees are Ukrainian because you look at some of those regions. Um, you know, I brought them up here in my opening statement, though, about Bessarabia, Northern Burkovnia. These are areas that um, Herza, Kresi, Carpathian, Ruthenia, that people, oh, Carpathian, Ruthenia is the one that they think is definitely, that the Romanians definitely think is theirs, I believe. Um, I'm not saying that that's correct. That's a correct uh, observation. However, that it's not just the Russians who think they have claims on Ukraine. It's a whole bunch of countries who think they have claims on, Ukra on what is no, currently Ukraine. Not countries, certain people within those countries. Certain right? people within like those if countries. I believe yes. like okay. Baja, right. Baja Mexico deserves right. to be ours because I want good beach time. That's <laughs> no. my position. But that true. isn't the position of the majority of Americans <laughs> true, or true. the American government. True. 
Mm. So I don't know where. What well, okay, to, okay what again, like, let's, a bit there. Yeah. let's look at the <laughs> let's again look at the bigger picture as far as mm-hmm. Aiden being libertarian. You don't want America to Wait, can, can give I touch arms. on one sure. thing though, because this topic keeps coming up, and I do want to yeah. address it. It's yeah. the ethnic question, the ethnic Russian mm-hmm. question. Okay. Um, because for me, I think question is a gigantic distraction from the russians in my opinion i think it's a distraction um uh, trying to make way for a colonialist project a settler colonialist project um yeah. i i think that the the best piece of uh, evidence for this for me personally is that in 2008 when vladimir putin was asked after the invasion of georgia this is right after they invaded and the whole world was terrified because putin invades chechnya Putin, after breaking the ceasefire agreement that his government signed, so, oh my gosh, he broke that ceasefire agreement, now he's invading Georgia, what's he going to do next? And of course, a few years later, he would intervene in Syria. But in this 2008 interview, it's fantastic because this is Putin trying to calm down the world from from the idea that he was going to start invading countries. And so one of the uh, TV hosts asked him, what about Ukraine? What about Crimea? What about the eastern parts of of, of Ukraine? He says, there is no ethnic issue in Ukraine. There is no problem in Ukraine. We recognize that as Ukrainian territory. He said that in 2008. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Six years later, apparently, he had a come-to-Jesus moment. Maybe God came to him in his sleep. I don't know. <laughs> apparently, Nazis have taken over everything in a time of six years. And oh, let's, let's, it just, let's get rid of that fucking Nazi shit. That's so yeah. stupid. And I report on it in my video I made about it, but it's so dumb. Sorry, continue. Oh, and, and you know who was saying that, by the way, back in 2017? Somebody who should have known better? The Red Scare Girls, Anna and Dasha. They were repeating things that, as educated Russian women, you would know better than to say that unless you're doing that on purpose. But anyway, I that's mean, just... That's I mean, are, are, there, are, there, are there Nazis in, in Ukraine? Yeah, but there's... Nazis everywhere. Like, it's like zero point so, one of the of the far right nationalists got a vote in the Ukrainian parliament. I remember. All like, in a vote. Yeah, all two percent overall. Yeah, and it was a coalition of yeah. all the far right parties. Yeah. that wanted to meet the five percent threshold in twenty nineteen. So they all came together. Right sectors, Azov's old like national core, mm-hmm. Svoboda, uh, Svoboda, and they got yeah. like three point two. And 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 all the Tiana books out. Like he he's done so. Like so, and and he's the he's the Nazi guy. But he, he was on that considered at one point uh, potentially for a position as PM. He was never going to win it, but he was considered no. for that position at one point. Uh, again, that was not a reality or a real possibility. So, are are there is there a Nazi adjacent movement in Ukraine? Yes, I think uh, totally denying it is is wrong and stupid and a bad thing to do. Denying that there's that there's that doesn't exist at all is incorrect and it's it's not a doesn't make you look good to do that. But to overinflate it as if like there's this massive Nazi neo-Nazi movement in Ukraine is also stupid, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I mean it, it exists, but I think for the thing that really kicked me about it is I remember I was in here sawn for the uh, for uh, evacuation of civilians when the flooding started and the dam was destroyed and exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, it killed, drowned like twenty thousand animals, elderly people and disabled people were drowning in their homes. They couldn't get out fast enough. And we were going down there to film the evacuation efforts. Did you think there was a problem with the building of the dam in the first place, though? Because it was to cut off fresh water from Crimea. Uh, there, the building, the dam that was exploded was built to cut off fresh water from Crimea. If, maybe I'm talking about a different dam, but there was a dam. You're talking was... about a completely different thing. Okay. So no, the, the dam that we're talking about was built in the 1950s by the Soviet Union in order to produce electricity. We're talking about yeah, the not that one. Dam not, that was exploded. Not, yeah, not that one, not that one. The one that, that uh, gave fresh water to Crimea. 
Yeah, that so, one had to yeah. do with the government not wanting to give fresh water to uh, the Crimean naval base, which required yeah. it to function, yeah. 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 because they mm -hmm. considered it collaborating with the military forces of the occupier. Yeah. I, there's, a, there's a certain amount of humanitarian concern that makes me not favorable towards doing what they did. But people leave out the fact that the majority of that water was going to be used for military purposes, which is often left out. But back yeah. to what Sorry, I was saying. Sorry, different dams. Different dams. Go was, ahead. <laughs> when the dam was exploded, I went down there to film with evacuation crews. I got up with some Germans and a few British expats who were doing evacuations, trying to evac animals that were drowning and trying to go back for people's pets that they left behind. Oh. And when we went out on the water, uh, we got shelled by the Russians when we were doing the aid evacuations. My friend John Jones, he got hit. Uh, in the upper thigh. He was a, he's an elderly British expat. He was about 67, 68. The other thing went in his lower stomach, his lower abdomen, and his pelvis stopped it. It's the only thing that ended up saving him. And afterwards, the Russians take video of it and they post it on Telegram and they put like heavy metal on it. I think the song was went like, we're the gods of war. And they were showing them bombing John Jones and the rest of us. And they've got the uh, a ruin in the top left corner that is heavily used by the Nazis. It, Turns out it was PMC Convoy, which was uh, a PMC that belongs to the head of the Russian occupation forces in uh, in Crimea, the occupation head, the same one who has deep ties to the mafia and a lot of murders as well. A lot of the occupation forces are just like straight up gangsters. Like, for, for example, mm -hmm. Evgeny Prigozhin, he was a street thug. He was somebody who was deeply yeah, involved with yeah. organized crime. The head of the uh, Dennis Pushilin, the head of the Donetsk occupation, heavily involved with organized crime, uh, like the AAA mark, uh, the AAA marketing scheme that that fraudster. Well, the entire but, um, Russian government, by the way, is a neo -Nazi, crime. That's like a neo-Nazi symbol on the corner of a video of them showing Dude, aid workers in this like no 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 it was a different rune it was a different oh, rune yeah. have, have, who cares there's Whatever. lots of different runes yeah you get, <laughs> I got but it. them combined with rusich which is an openly neo-nazi <sighs> militia it's hard for me to take it seriously that you care about stopping neo-nazism if you're sending neo-nazi militias to fight neo-nazism it just it never yeah. it never connected with me i never bought it no it's a, it's, it's, I think it's a dumb it, i think it's trying to uh, yeah. beat up slavic sentiment because slavs hate nazis for good reason and so if you can call your <laughs> yeah. opponent nazis then you've got a reason to go fight and kill people. Hmm. I mean, and the history behind that, it, it's very old. It goes back to, again, because like, why did uh, the Ukrainians join with the with Hitler's regime in the first place? Because they wanted their independence. So that was from, from Russia. That was why there was any kind of U Ukrainian um, sentiment that aligned with the National Socialists in the first place. And it's, it's crazy to think that we're... 80 years out and we're seeing kind of the same thing is that Ukrainians still want their independence from Russia and Russia's still trying to take over Ukraine. And that the whole reason that they aligned with the Nazis in the first place to any extent that they did um, was to be independent. So I will, I will just say, and I don't think this was your purpose, but I love bringing it up every time. Sure. More Ukrainians <laughs> died fighting the Nazis than any yes. other group that made up the oh. USSR. I believe it was like a, a ratio of yeah. like 4 million people like 40 to 47% of the casualties were Ukrainian. And what a lot, and I, it really bothers me seeing so many people whose grandfathers fought hand in hand with the Ukrainians mm -hmm. now pointing around and pointing at like what must have been one one hundredth of the size of Ukrainians that were fighting for the Nazis yeah. and say, you were a Nazi state, even though Ukrainians contributed more than many other states in the world to the defeat of Nazism. Absolutely. Yeah, that wasn't my point. Um, yeah, no, I'm just bringing I, I, I it up because think... because the neo because the neo the unique neo Nazi history of Ukraine thing bothers me because there were more Russian collaborators with the, the with the Nazis from mm -hmm. their POW camps than there were Ukrainians. 
there was Estonians, Latvians, Lithuanians, anytime opportunities can take advantage for their of own course. power and gain, and they, they will do that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, think the, of the uh, Katyn massacre, what was going on there. It was I on was watching Katyn, denied... actually. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Horrifying. One of yeah. the most, which, which it, I'm always shocked that people don't even know about Katyn to this day. It, it's hmm. basically like unknown history where, oh, I, I mean, from the descriptions that I've read, when the Nazis are sickened by your your mass killing of people, I think you've done a little bit of a fuck up. <laughs> I think when, when even Nazis are going, what the hell happened here? That's, yeah, you did a big oops. Mm. Um, to put it lightly. Um, By the way, before we uh, before we keep going, everybody, number one, be sure to uh, like, click the bell, and also sneed those super chats. If you guys have any <laughs> questions, we are going to be addressing those questions towards the end. But again, I wanted to, as the great Jen Psaki used to say, circle back to the original question for Aiden, which was, since you do not support America aiding Ukraine, what are possible repercussions that you can imagine are going to happen yes. if America is not going to aid Ukraine? let's go from there yes i'm glad you brought that up because i had it in my head so let's um in terms of possible repercussions i mean they're multiplicitous i don't know i don't i don't think anyone knows i russia is a to quote um who said this kamala harris yes kamala harris <laughs> ukraine is a country and russia is a bigger country next to ukraine yeah so russia has more resources we know this they have more money they have more military resources however Ukraine has held out and it has largely held out with the resources of the West or the aid of the West. Would you agree with that or not, uh, Dylan? Because you're there and you, you know it better um, than I do. When I when I first came here, uh, and uh, I went to the Ford operation, Ford operating position in Zaporozhye, mm -hmm. uh, and I saw them using World War II era machine guns uh, on the front line of the war. Ooh. And so for me, seeing that type of stuff, I'm of the belief that the Ukrainians would have fought no matter what. In those mm -hmm. early months, the... The West were like sending over Germany, for example, sent over like three hundred, like three thousand helmets. There was like a lot of the aid was much smaller, and I think later in the war, now in the war, their their fighting ability is in large part due to the West. But those early months that were crucial for Ukraine to stay an independent state, I think mm -hmm. that was eighty to ninety percent Ukraine and them reforming their own system. But I think now, now that we're in for the long haul, their allies are definitely um, pulling like a lot of, of a decent lion's share of the logistical support well ukraine it's not a um it's a very impoverished country in the broad scheme of things right comparatively to let's say america or the uk right yeah. it, it's not they, they don't have a i mean they, they produce an enormous amount of food enormous amount of grain enormous amount of, of uh, resources but they don't have the money that the west does so i think they have been required to rely on western support it's interesting that you you say that i think that's probably what I expected, honestly, <clears throat> that they were holding up on their own with what they had, but are now largely relying on, on Western resources. The problem that I have with it, again, as a libertarian, as I brought up, is that the U.S. has spent $75 billion. That's just the U.S. That doesn't include the United Kingdom. That doesn't include the rest of Europe. Mm -hmm. It's a huge expenditure. And I'm not, I know it, it comes off as callous for me to say like, well, it, it it, it does come off as callous. There's no other way to describe it. It comes off as callous. But I don't think it's callous. It's just not our... It's not our war. It's not our conflict. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I can't justify spent... You know, uh, I've said this before, talking about this, uh, the Ukraine thing, but I, I live on a really small island with about 85,000 people. Not even. I think probably like 75,000 people. 
And right after the war started, I went down to a crepe shop in town. And there is this deific mosaic of Zelensky in front of their shop. Like he's like painted like Jesus. And I was like, what, what is happening where th this small island off the coast of England and France is, is painting a, a deific mo mosaic of Zelensky and, and every other house has it. Well, not every, it's not, I'm over exaggerating, but mm -hmm. you see all these Ukraine flags flying here in Guernsey. I, that's bizarre to me. I, I do think it's, it's a lot of it's virtue signaling. And I don't think it's about actual concern about any of this. And I really don't think it's the West, in, in the West, broadly speaking, in terms of America and the and the UK. Can I defend the world's wine moms for a moment? Go ahead. Can I defend <laughs> the wine moms? Yeah, go ahead. So I, I think that a lot of people in those early months really mm -hmm. connected with Ukraine's struggle. That they heard the plea that Zelensky made very well. He has a history yeah, of yep. trained. He's trained in media. He's an actor. He's a very yeah. good public speaker. Um, he's, um, very human in the way he presents himself in, in comparison 